episode 17 after a little bit of an extended hiatus we are back here on january 23rd year of our lord 2024 i am your host i am your pilot for this morning's discussion or this evening or wherever and whenever you are listening on spotify on apple at wetmeatwrestling.com to episode 17 of Rope Break, of course, the video version, live Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm only a little bit late today if you are tuning in live. Welcome. I appreciate you being here. And, of course, the video version on YouTube. Hey, let's just, that's that's almost enough housekeeping. I do want to apologize for missing the past couple of weeks. I One of those weeks was sort of a, a semi-intended break. Like a mental health just needed. I don't even really remember at this point. That was so, it's like ancient history two weeks ago. Are you kidding me? I can't fully recall what I had for dinner last night. So two weeks ago is really, really getting into the Wayback Machine. And then last week I woke up to do a podcast on Tuesday and I had no internet. Because of like, I think because of like snowstorms rolling through uh, the country in the Pacific Northwest where I live, et cetera, et cetera. And then I thought to myself, well, I'll just, I'll wake up the next day and I'll do it. And then I woke up the next day and there was still no internet. I had internet during the day. And then I went to bed with internet and then I woke up and then there was no internet again. And then my family went out of town and then I had an e-fed show and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. Hey, it is <laughs> episode 17 of Rope Break. And man, the wrestling world has been busy. I've been excited to get in here. Oh, and I haven't even addressed perhaps the most important piece of business. And if you're listening, you don't know. But if you're watching the video version, I, I shaved my mustache. And I feel so naked and cold without it. I don't know. I don't know what to do when I interact with people. They don't just stare at my mustache anymore. They actually make eye contact with me now. My eyes are up here, ma'am. Excuse me, miss. Excuse me, miss. My eyes are up here, but those days are over now that now that people are making eye contact. Now I get the eye contact and I just shy away. I'm like, oh God, where's my mustache? I want to go back to my safe place. Hey, but for real though, the wrestling business, the wrestling world has been bumping. Uh, rope break. I like to focus, if you're new to this show, I mark out. I focus on stories. I focus on wrestlers. I focus on creative work that's being done. That's my real kind of passion with all this. I like to tear Tony Khan a new asshole when he fucks that up. When I feel like he's fucking up creatively. This isn't like something where I like to get into the X's and O's of business. I don't like to get into the X's and O's of ratings. And that's kind of my precursor way of saying I really don't care that WWE, if you haven't heard, <laughs> is on Netflix now. I think a lot of people try to make news out of things like this. I was watching Cultaholic this morning, if you ever watch them, basically discuss how this would impact programming and storylines. Just really shitty conjecture about things like that. Uh, but if you haven't heard, let's just shit on Cultaholic, shall we? January 1st, 2025. WWE is taking all of its programming over to Netflix. That includes PLEs. That includes WrestleMania. That includes Monday Night Raw. But I'm realizing as I say this, I didn't actually hear in the news anywhere. Maybe leave a comment. 
uh, if that's going to include SmackDown and if they're going to keep that separate show on a separate network, not unlike they have done in the past. Netflix, it feels like being on USA and Fox is different than being on Netflix and Fox or Netflix and whoever else. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's the point. I don't care about shit like that ultimately at the end of the day. And uh, I think Netflix, fucking love Netflix. So, you know, it's a good win. Like if I could eventually not have to pay $50 a month for YouTube TV or some form of cable and I could just get all my wrestling on streaming services, I would, I would be a very happy boy. But that's not what we're talking about today. I just wanted to address it real quick. We are going to talk about WWE. I'm going to preview the Royal Rumble. We're going to look at that world title match. I'm going to tell you who I think is winning the Royal Rumble and why. And how excited I am for it. And how excited you should be for it. If you're feeling like you don't know what's about to happen, we got Seth Rollins injuries. We got Roman Reigns honing in on one million days as the universal champion and you're like what is what is even next how are they gonna make heads or tails of it well I got ideas I always got ideas so we're gonna talk about that talk about what we're seeing and then after the break I'm gonna shit on Tony Khan some more I always do it. I'm gonna save the best for last we're gonna break down briefly or perhaps extensively, perhaps I should say extensively, I'm not going to sell myself short on this, we're going to break down extensively Sting's run in AEW. Sting's run, so Sting has been into, like, this has been a run, right? This is his final run, his retirement run, the last two years for Sting. What has he accomplished? How has he entertained? Has he, has he done the mission? Has he made me feel? Has, me, has he made me think? Has he made me smile? Has he encaptured me? Has he engrossed me? Has he given young people the rub? Has he given Darby Allen? That's the young person in question. What have we accomplished? Has good been done? Has fun been had with the final run of Sting and professional wrestling? I'm going to tell you what I think about Sting. I'm going to tell you what I think about that booking all after the break, and uh, just mild spoiler, like, it's not all great. It's AEW booking, so you know it hasn't been all great. We're going to get to that. Let's preview the Royal Rumble. Let's preview the matches from the Royal Rumble. The first match, on my list at least, going, going in order of the way I jotted these down hurriedly, is the U.S. title match between Kevin Owens and Logan Paul. This has been awesome. I love, this is what I love about WWE storytelling. They, they, it's, it's a little formulaic in terms of how they get here, okay? So we got the baby face everyone loves fighting the megastar mogul heel, Logan Paul. And it's just beautifully set up. We used a tournament to get here. We got to push Carmelo Hayes into the main roster through the tournament. Kevin Owens looks strong through the tournament. And now Kevin can go do the job for Logan Paul at the Royal Rumble and draw a little bit more of that sweet, greasy heat onto the social media megastar, excuse me, Logan Paul. I think that's super fun. Like, I think it's kind of predictable. I do think that Logan Paul wins. I just don't know how he doesn't. And the reason I feel that way, the reason for, there's no reason for, for Kevin Owens to be the U.S. champion. Like, th there's just no reason for that. Because, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. And, and I just, you, you can't, it's hard to, you know, when you're storytelling, you got to kind of have a sense of where you're going. 
right? What's the ending going to be? And, you know, I think sometimes, in a lot of ways, even the author or creator of a story doesn't always know where the landing point is. But when it comes to the U.S. title, I'm convinced I know where the landing point is, okay? We need a big babyface victory at WrestleMania, okay? Because if you think that the most boring uh, uh, thing for WrestleMania, Roman Reigns retaining the championship, is going to be what happens. Now, I know we got The Rock in that now, and there's, yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll get to that. Point is, U.S. title, big babyface win at WrestleMania, it's going to happen. And it's going to be L.A. Knight. I am convinced that L.A. Knight beats Logan Paul at WrestleMania. And if not L.A. Knight, it's going to be some other baby face. Like, I feel like, I feel like if we just keep greasing up Logan Paul for another month or two, he'll just be ripe for the picking for a big baby face victory for somebody. And I think L.A. Knight is perfect for it. He can run with the U.S. title. He gets to be featured as a champion. The only thing about this plan that I don't like is I honestly ask myself the question if L.A. Knight, if just his momentum and his rub now with Randy Orton, his rub with Roman Reigns, if all of this has almost worked too good and if he's almost overqualified for the U.S. championship at this point. But you know, he's never had a title, and I just feel like I just feel like wrestling fans at WrestleMania watching LA Knight, somebody who can like jaw with Logan Paul and somebody who can talk at his level and even above his level, okay, with this sort of masculine man's man energy, but with like this fun fucking side to the whole thing. It's why he's so good. I don't need to tell you, greasy wrestling fans, why LA Knight is so good. But the point is, that's where we're going with this thing. I'm convinced that's where we're going with this thing. So I don't see Kevin Owens beating Logan Paul. I do see a really interesting match. I think Kevin Owens is a good opponent for it, uh, for Paul, for this moment. So I think that's a fun Royal Rumble match, and I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the way it's been booked. And one thing I am not excited for to change gears, to shift gears a little bit, is what's going on with Seth Rollins. Oh, man, there's, like, fun, interesting, and good, interesting, and then there's, like, painful, interesting. Like, the type of interesting where you know you're you're paying attention for all the wrong reasons. You're watching this thing for all the reasons you don't want to be watching something. It's like driving past a car wreck on the highway, right? Rubbernecking. You're just like staring at this thing going, well, how's this going to shake out? And when Seth Rollins came out and he's got the knee brace on last night on Monday Night Raw and he's emotional and, 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 and I, think, I think we got a big win as wrestling fans that he didn't vacate the title. Like he's taught, he said MCL, ACL, I forget. Uh, but when it was like, when I saw like kind of a, I use the word no contact injury loosely. <laughs> he was in a wrestling match doing flips when he did that knee injury. But like the type of knee injury that you can finish a match out on, that you can still walk on, but will stop you from doing anything athletic for six months or a year. Like that was sort of what we were pacing for with like an ACL injury. I've seen him a million times in basketball. I was a former basketball coach. I saw him all the fucking time. And as a basketball nerd, it felt like these guys were always doing these ACLs. And 
I, that's what I was terrified of is like this, like he, wait, he finished the match. He didn't even really register it till, till a few minutes later. That's a torn ACL. He's fucking gone. So when he came out and that wasn't exactly the case, I know he said it was ACL MC. I'm blanking exactly, but he thinks he can get back in time for WrestleMania. So now we're rubbernecking on a new story with the World Heavyweight Championship, a story out of necessity, a real story. Those are always more interesting, but sometimes more interesting isn't always what we're going for in a certain way because we don't want our boy Seth Rollins injured. We don't want this story to be like, will he, won't he make it to Mania? I, I don't think they do that. If they don't, if they don't feel real good about him making it to Mania, so it feels like it's full steam ahead for like whatever their plan A was. Now I know they can't have fighting championship with Seth Rollins over the next month or two. He can't really defend the belt. It looks like, but if he is able to get healthy in time for Mania. I guess they feel like that's quick enough. They don't need to vacate the belt. They don't need to make a contingency plan. The contingency plan I was so interested in is what if we did this Ric Flair style? I'm going to do it. Woo! I can't not. (laughs) And what if we made the Royal Rumble for the World Heavyweight Championship? That's what I mean by Ric Flair style when he won the WWF Championship via Royal Rumble in like 92, 93, whenever that was. I was half expecting the first breadcrumbs to that last night. I was terrified that, and just terrified. Like it's again, it's interesting, but it's only interesting in a rubbernecking way. I was terrified that Seth Rollins was going to vacate the belt. Triple H was going to come out in a week or two and declare that the Royal Rumble was going to be for the World Heavyweight Championship. And then maybe Damian Priest cashes in against that person. Or maybe we get Cody versus CM Punk somehow. Oof, oof, oof. But I feel like none of that's going to happen now. I feel appropriately satiated. Like, it seems like they feel like that he can get there, that he can get to WrestleMania and that he can wrestle. So, I mean, I'm rooting for Seth Rollins. Like, the World Heavyweight Championship in the year 2024 I mean, it's the fucking, it's like a nothing champion. It's the fucking FTW championship from AEW to me. Like, it's just this fucking arbitrary thing that did not exist, has no history. And it's like, here, we're going to fight over this. And it matters because we say it matters, right? And then, then it really, it's just like, here you go, Seth. Make this mean something. Here you go, Seth. Look, we got, we got, we're doing this thing with Roman Reigns. Can you make this the most important thing on the show? <laughs> hey, Seth, we just invented this. Can you make this the most important thing in the whole world? We just came up with it. It's called the World Heavyweight Champion. And, and he did. And he largely accomplished that. Like, he scratched and clawed and fought week after week after week and convinced everyone that this fucking championship meant something to him. I think that it did. I think that he saw through the, the bullshit there, and I think he really did make, make it real to him and, and fought for something in that championship. And that's what made this heavyweight title reign so good. I'm not even that big of a Seth Rollins fan, 
but when you when you see this injury, when you see what it meant to him, and then when you take a step back and you say, okay, how was the title reign and where does it go next? Because now we have kind of a a break point, ooh, a stopping point that we got to like take a breath and take a look as he heals and assess it. It's been fucking phenomenal. I don't think he could have done more. I don't think there's anyone else who could have done more. If you would put it on Cody or whoever else instead, they would not have done more with this situation. Nobody could have done more with less. When you talk about uh, a new made up main event belt, than Seth Rollins has done with this belt. It's been fucking phenomenal. And so I feel awful for him, and I hope he's able to have like a WrestleMania moment uh, out of this, even if he's got to drop the belt at that show. Maybe he gets to defend it. What a great moment that would be. I mean, he's functionally, if he wrestles, coming in as a form of an underdog against anyone, whether it's CM Punk or anyone else. Wow, Seth Rollins. Keep killing it, man. We hope for a speedy recovery from you. Because now we have two main event championships out of commission. Because the other one belongs to Roman Reigns defending in the fatal four-way against LA Knight, AJ Styles, and Gunther. The world, or excuse me, the universal championship. The universal championship. And I don't think there's a lot to say on this one. Okay, and then we'll take a break and we'll... We'll gear on into Sting's final run here in AEW and what I think of it and, and, and how I think all that is uh, emblematic or symbolic or just at the end of the day very telling for Tony Khan's creative philosophy. I think we're going to learn with Tony Khan. I think we're, when we take a look after the break, I'm going to tell you <laughs> what Tony Khan knows about pro wrestling and how Sting's run in pro wrestling, Sting's final run in pro wrestling shows what Tony Khan knows. Because Tony Khan came out and tweeted that he knows everything there is to know about pro wrestling, uh, what, a week ago? Maybe that was an interview. I, he just said, I know so much about pro wrestling, all defensively. So uh, I'm going to call your bluff there, Tony, and I'm going to use Sting to call your bluff and see how much see, – see what you really do know about pro wrestling. <laughs> I'm getting excited. I, I get excited to, to, to tear Tony a new asshole when he fucking deserves it because I think he can do better. But that's after the break. Let's look at this fatal four-way. Let's look at this Universal Championship match. A lot of people want to say – that Randy Orton has a chance to win it here. Randy came back at Survivor Series. He's got all this sweet, sexy momentum. He looks incredible, charismatic. He keeps saying daddy's back. And, like, he's got the fucking daddy energy. Like, the ring psychology is so fucking good. He He's selling you on his character. He's selling you on everything. He's Randy fucking Orton. It's so good. It's casual. It's confident. It's lethal and violent when it needs to be. He's fucking phenomenal. So people are saying one interesting opportunity it would be in a fatal four-way match where Roman Reigns wouldn't have to take the pin. Randy Orton could pin him. And then you free up, quote, unquote. You, I don't even know how, how you could view it. The people view it this way. I don't fully get it. But you would free up Roman Reigns to fight The Rock without the world heavy or excuse me the universal championship sort of weighing that match down and the way that match gets weighed down is because if it's for the championship 
it's kind of hard to imagine The Rock winning, right? Like, The Rock doesn't wrestle full-time. The Rock is not a WWE superstar full-time. Not that Roman Reigns is, but, you know, one of these things is a little bit more regular than the other, right? One of these people is a little bit more of a full-time professional wrestler than the other one of them's in their prime one of them's younger it's Roman Reigns moment right we're passing the torch but but if the universal championship isn't involved and this is just about the head of the table and this is just about the family you could have the rock beat Roman Reigns you could have that as the main event of night one don't even put that on night two. And then you have Randy Orton versus Cody. I don't know. In the main event night two. You could have Roman Reigns be in both nights. Have that be the reason he loses night two. He wins night one over The Rock. But there's like this subplot that he has to wrestle twice. That would be kind of interesting. But no, none of that is happening. And I think it's really cute that the internet likes to pretend that it could be. But what we're coming up on is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And a week ago, I ran all the numbers, and then I lost all the numbers. I don't know where I kept those notes, and I didn't want to rerun them before I did today's podcast. I was excited to get started. But the core takeaways, I remember quite clearly. And functionally, the core takeaways are, as we approach SummerSlam... We get insanely close to Hulk Hogan's record. Okay, we get in, in, and and people want to say it's not a record. So he's not actually doing anything when he is champion for longer than Hulk Hogan. Because that's really the question here. Does that matter to fans? Does that matter to WWE? Because why can't Roman drop the belt? How long do we have to do this? What are we doing this for? We're doing this to create what's next, okay? We ha- we're trying to create a certain amount of equity, I call it, in Roman Reigns. They're trying to create a certain amount of power, gravitas. Okay, so Hulk Hogan does not have the longest title reign ever. Bruno San Martino does, okay? And Roman Reigns can't even get close to that. We're like halfway there. We'd have to go another fucking eight years or whatever. Like, it's long. It's, it's too long. It's not happening. But here's the thing. Hulk Hogan's title reign starts, excuse me, it ends, it starts in what, 1984, right before WrestleMania 1, and it ends in February of 1988. I think I got those years right. It's about four years, right? Here's the takeaway. Here's my point. Here's how important what Roman Reigns is doing. Here's how historic what Roman Reigns is doing. I'm 35 years old. Hulk Hogan's historic title reign ended one month before I was born. I'm 35 years old. I've been watching wrestling my whole life. This has never happened in my life. This has never happened. This, has ne- this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It could and may be 35 years or more before we, we being WWE in this case, we have an opportunity 
to make somebody look this powerful, when we have a performer in place to play the role of somebody this powerful, Roman Reigns has a contract where he doesn't have to come around much. Okay, say what you want about it. The point is, we're already here. We're already here. If you didn't like the first year, if you didn't like year two or whatever, okay, that's fine. You cannot like those things and you can love those things. And if you're being honest with yourself, and as we look back at wrestling fans during this heel run from Roman Reigns, it's been good. We've liked it. Now we want to bitch and moan. We want to bitch and moan about how he cheats every match. Yeah, man. Have you watched wrestling before? All these people who are like, Roman Reigns and the Bloodline are good, but they just cheat every match. It's like, oh, so if we switch up the name of the heel, you don't catch on to the fact that the heels all cheat. But if the heel has the same name, Roman Reigns... suddenly you realize that the heels are always cheating and you have a problem with it no it's working we have a we have a we have a performer we have a story he's had the title this long that is literally the story and he's got a group around him and he's got a charismatic manager who rubs you the wrong way we have something already in place And it could be 35 years before this many pieces are in place. And so the record he's breaking is the longest title run in modern wrestling history. Since the WrestleMania era, you could call it. Like, WWE is making these records themselves. Like, the fact that it's not a record isn't actually true because WWE are the ones who are deciding what the records are because it's a fucking show. You just need a bare minimum of logic, right? And so, since the advent of WrestleMania, Roman Reigns, the longest championship reign in WWE history. I mean, that's a stat. That's a real stat. And you may never have another opportunity to do this. And so the idea that we're going to slap this strap onto Randy Orton, the idea that we would strap, like they're not going to strap it onto Cody, I don't think. Like if you know me, you know I'm the biggest fucking Cody Mark on the fucking planet. And uh, I thought his promo with Punk last night was underwhelming though. They're trying to they're trying to make the Royal Rumble Punk versus Cody Rhodes and I get it. I get why they're doing that, but I don't know. I'm just not sold on those two guys really hating each other. Like all I see is the respect and it's like they're trying to get across the mutual respect and then all I see is the mutual respect and so but no hate Cody Rhodes. I'm still your number 1 fan. sign my chest Cody Rhodes okay wait focus I gotta focus I can't think about my attraction my latent attraction to Cody Rhodes I gotta coast this thing on into the break so we can get talking about Sting we're almost there Russ I'm excited to break down this Sting run but back to the point back on topic before we do this championship reign isn't going anywhere and You know, I just say it all the time. The fact that they've even given us something to wonder about is an amazing accomplishment in sports storytelling. 
Like, if you are marked out for this idea that Randy Orton could win, if you're marked out for this idea that we're going to get Cody versus Roman 2 somehow, even though The Rock's in the picture now, whatever it is, if you're marked out for The Rock and you think The Rock is about to become the World Heavyweight Champion at Elimin- or I keep calling it, you know, Universal, at, at Elimination Chamber, at WrestleMania, all these different pop theories, it's not happening. WWE and fucking performance and theater. It's about creating moments, man. It's about creating moments. And sometimes a moment is this. Three seconds ahead, three seconds behind this. And sometimes a moment is a life. A lifetime is a moment. And this is a once-in-a-lifetime moment that they are creating with Roman Reigns. They can bring back Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania, or excuse me, at SummerSlam to celebrate it because he'll pass uh, Hulk Hogan's mark at SummerSlam. I think that is the perfect spot to bring Hogan back in. I know Hogan at WrestleMania, but to me, Hogan and the SummerSlam vibes are super cool. And I think that would be super fun. Roman Reigns could beat the shit out of Hogan somehow or draw some heat some way that there. I think that would be super cute. And uh, it's not going anywhere. Roman Reigns isn't going anywhere. I, I don't think the cheating is going anywhere. Like, unless you're going to turn him babyface for whatever reason. Like, and maybe Hulk Hogan, maybe he turns babyface this summer at SummerSlam with Hogan. But, like, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think the cheating's going anywhere. I don't think it needs to. Like, I think if you don't like the way Roman Reigns wins his matches... You are the mark. <laughs> hey, this is Rope Break, episode 17. Let's take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to take a look at Sting. Because what the fuck is happening there? I ain't never missed my cue. Excuse me. Things are getting burpy. Things are getting gassy. Things are getting full-blown degenerate, I suppose, here on episode... 17 of Rope Break, a pro wrestling podcast available everywhere. Wherever you get your podcast, you can listen, you can watch on YouTube. You can go wetmeatwrestling.com, get every old episode. You can go youtube.com slash at wetmeatwrestling. Listen to old episodes because uh, you know what? One of my favorite, if you go, this is where I'm going with this. If you, if you listen to old episodes, one thing you will find out very quickly is that Tony Khan and I see wrestling very differently. (laughs) Very differently. And I think perhaps it's a struggle with me because I don't know what he sees in pro wrestling. I just know what I see in pro wrestling. And I know that he, on the regular, delivers something very different. And it's sort of like... It's sort of like when you go on a date with a girl, right? And she's, have you ever done that, Greasy Wrestling fans? Boom! (laughs) And she's like masking and she's like matching your energy and just sort of agreeing with everything you say. And then it takes a few, like you got to get on that fourth and fifth date. And then you're just like, there's nothing here, man. This ain't for real. There's no chemistry here. She's not actually a wrestling fan. She's just she's just saying that she remembers Stone Cold Steve Austin, and she's she's really cute with that smile, and and that's that's 
and now I'm falling for it. And that's Tony Khan. He's got all this money and he's got all these wrestlers. And it's just like, wow, that's a really cute smile that that cute girl has with the money and the wrestlers. And then he goes and he tells one great story. I talk about it all the time. He tells this amazing story with Kenny Omega, Hangman Page. I thought that was an amazing setup for a world champion and, and just fantastic. They did it amazing. And then they never told another story again. And that's where I'm going with this. Tony Khan, when he comes out and he says, I know wrestling better than ever. I know more wrestling. I, I, I wish I tried to find it before I got started with it. He said that I, I saw the reaction to it like a week or two ago. And then, and then I lost track of where the source was, where he said it. On Twitter, he likes to blow up on Twitter. So it's just hard. It's just, he's such a petulant little child exploding all the time in so many different forums and mediums. It's hard for me to keep track. But, but this one comment stuck out to me because he knows more about. So it, I started thinking, and Sting is the perfect example to illuminate this. What is there to know about pro wrestling? Like, if you know more about it, what, what is there to know? What, what do you have to know? Because Tony Khan can't perform in the ring. And if he can, he has hidden that <laughs> incredibly well. He is a gifted liar and performer if he is actually gifted in the ring. <laughs> there seems to be no indication that he ever does anything in the ring. I never hear any of the wrestlers saying, yeah, Tony gets in there sometimes and takes some bumps. It's a lot of fun. You hear that about Vince to this day. To this day, it's like Mr. McMahon came and he, he fucking jumped off the second floor into the padded thing to show us how it's done. And he's 115 years old. I saw his skin falling off of his face when he did it. You never hear story. With Tony, the story is, oh no, the wrestler's uh, got mad at each other, and I was afraid for my life. Okay, so I, I'm not trying to pick on, I, I'm getting too personal ahead of myself here. I just get frustrated with my boy, Tony. So what is there to know? What is there to know is what I'm driving home on this. He doesn't know. He can watch a match the way I can watch a match and the way you can watch a match. Okay, to put your bullshit aside, to get caught up in the moment, and to watch... A match is not a particular skill. And then to be able to decipher the story that they are telling there, it, it shouldn't be particularly complicated. If that's a difficult thing to do and you've really accomplished something, you feel like, in your brain, intellectually, and being able to follow the story of a match, you're, you're watching, you're, well, you're either an idiot, you're the mark, <laughs> or, or, and I'm the mark. I, I'm the mark. Don't get me wrong. But like, or like you, you, you don't, it shouldn't be that complicated. It'd be like saying, oh, I went to the movies and I under, I understood the plot of that movie. <laughs> and, and I understood the plot of that movie so well that it actually makes me better at movies than you. Like, I feel like that's what TK is trying to tell us here. Because you're not doing anything in the ring. So if you're not doing anything in the ring, what are you doing? You're doing the stuff outside of the ring, which is the setup, which is the premise, which is why are these beefcakes smashing on each other? Can you answer the why they're doing it to begin with? Because now that's what wrestling is. It is a show. It is a television program. It is a theater. It is a work 
Okay, people get a little defensive when you call it theater and a performance in a certain way. I, I think that that is just honest. It is a highly physical, highly improvisational, highly violent theater. And, and, and the word that wrestling has come up with functionally or stolen to explain this is it's a work. It's a work, right? It's a work. You're being worked. You're being tricked into thinking that this is real through the setup of what is happening. Wrestling is just storytelling. There is a narrative structure. Think back to when you were in seventh grade and your English teacher taught you through some shitty short story that you fucking couldn't even pay attention to during that class because you were thinking about whether who was going to win at WrestleMania. It was going to be Stone Cold or... Uh, Shawn Michaels, like you're freaked out. And so you're not paying attention to English class. But sh the teacher then explained that there was a beginning, a middle and an end. And that there was, there was a what class? There was a protagonist. Now we're getting into Sting. There was a protagonist. And the setup would always get over what you like about the protagonist in your story. We have to make our protagonist relatable. We have to make our protagonist likable. The audience should be able to put themselves into the shoes of the protagonist. We're talking about Sting. Darby Allen with this setup is an incredible protagonist. He has very modern taste and sensibility uh, aesthetically with his vibe, the sort of emo punk. He's very athletic, uh, obviously very athletic, but I'm thinking about the skating in particular. He's got these diverse alternative uh, interest that he's incredibly talented in outside of the wrestling as well. So like he's super cool, but he's small. He fucking looks like me, quote unquote, right? Whoever you, if you're a kid, if you're not, if you happen to not be a professional wrestler, Darby Allen looks like you, which uniquely makes him a good protagonist, which ironically makes him a good pro wrestler in a certain way in this, in this vibe, in this light, when you're talking about this sort of thing. And what happens to the protagonist in every story? There's some sort of obstacle to overcome. There's some sort of problem. There is an antagonist, a fucking bad guy, a fucking heel creating issues. And then there's a fight. The protagonist has to overcome whatever obstacles have been created by the antagonist. And the antagonist can be anyone. A good antagonist can be a person, an evil villain. It can be Thanos. Okay? And it can literally just be, we can tell like a complex indie book or like an indie movie where the antagonist is our own uh, ability to relate to perspective in life and we were our own antagonist and we had to grow ourselves and the battle was in our own mind the whole time and the, the battle was personal experience and growth because of because of the, the antagonist was the universe and the human mind or it can literally just be that motherfucker stole my lunch money and now I am going to get the courage to do something I've never done which is stand up straight look him in the eye and let that motherfucker know that I'm going to punch him in the face if he doesn't give me my money back he said no he said he won't give it back I've never punched someone before. Boom. We have a story. We have a story. 
We have a good guy and a bad guy and a setup to get us there. Now it matters. Now it matters who does the better drop kicks. Now it matters who does the better scorpion death lock, scorpion death drop. Now it matters who jumps on who off of the table. Because that guy needs his lunch money back or else he's going to be hungry and he's, he's so cool and he's got dreams for his life and he's a lot like me and I like to eat lunch too, so I hope he gets his lunch money back. That's pro wrestling, Tony. That's pro wrestling. It's not the names of the moves. I'm glad that you know the names of the moves. And I know, I'm glad that you like, you know what they're called in New Japan pro wrestling as opposed to in North America. That's cute. (laughs) That's fucking cute. Let's look at Sting. What has he fought? What has he overcome? What was his battle? What was his demon? Was it inner? Was it internal or external? What did he do? What did he teach Darby? Okay, fine. It's simpler than that. He he already is he's already overcome. His time of overcoming is and now he's helping the young Padawan. He's Obi-Wan Kenobi to Luke Skywalker and Darby Allen's Luke Skywalker. Okay. Who did Darby overcome? What lesson did he learn from Sting that caused him to be able to overcome his issue? Any fucking buddy who knows anything about wrestling and wrestling jargon and wrestling getting obsessed in the X's and O's of pro wrestling knows that it's heels that make the industry go. It's heels that make the industry go. Hogan fans remember the Iron Sheik as well as they remember Hogan. Hogan fans remember the body slam on Andre the Giant as well as they remember Hogan because they remember the initial catalyst, the initial spark, the initial fight, the initial thing that had to be conquered. Andre the Giant, the eighth wonder of the world, 10 years undefeated. Hogan body slammed him. Are you kidding me? The immovable object, the unstoppable force, it finally happened. We had to have an answer. There hasn't been any version of a fucking story at any point of Sting's run. He hasn't had a story with other humans outside of matches, and he has not had stories inside of the ring during his matches. This is more of a wrestling company. I don't like Rope Break. I don't like Greg Flynn. Now I'm just the fucking wrestle talk comments. He's just a fed head. He just cares about the outside of the ring. He's just a fucking mark. I don't care. The AEW is about the moves, and AEW is about the athleticism, and it's more of an indie vibe. Then what the fuck is Sting doing there to begin with? If that's all true, then he's weighing Darby Allen down. And Sting's like, I, I feel like there was a meeting when Sting first came in with TK. And Sting was like, man, I can't really run. I'm 60 years old. I can't. The body slams are tough. But you know what? You know, big guy like me, Tony, this is him talking to Tony. Kaiser, you know what I could always do that didn't really hurt that bad? I feel like I could do more. Going through a table when it's done right, it ain't too bad. <laughs> He's like, oh, I don't got to jump. I don't got to run. It hurts like hell, like for a minute. And then you get a big pop. Send me through tables, Tony. 
People will, people, that'll be it. And that's literally all that Sting has done. I have his match history up right now. He's 24 and 0 in AEW. All of them are tag matches. Not a single tag team title opportunity. 24 and 0 in tag team wrestling. This is the same company that brings back the ratings and says that Hook deserves a world title shot because he's 28 and 1 or whatever it is. And that was a great match. I enjoyed Hook and Samoa Joe. I liked that. And that's kind of my point. Do more of that. What you're doing on the other side with the same opportunity is really fucking stupid. So all Sting does is he comes in, he doesn't sell, and then he goes through a table. And I bet you fucking anything, when he gets in there with the Young Bucks at Revolution, he's not going to sell, he's going to lumber around, and people are going to go through tables. And oh my god, it's Sting's last match. And I heard somebody say, this is not my original idea, that he's going to teach Darby Allen the Scorpion Deathlock functionally during that last match. And Darby can hit the Scorpion Death Drop and then take it on as a sort of finisher. And now we have something that is finally passed on. I never saw that connection to begin with. And I think that the Darby Allen Sting connection just shows you how fucking superficial Tony Khan sees the world. Like, Sting is a surfer bro from like Laguna Beach or Los Angeles or whatever. Like, that's, that's his personality. That's just makeup he's wearing, Tony. He's not actually, like, like an emo dude. He's not actually, like, an alternative retro punk goth, whatever you want to call it, dude. He's actually, like, a surfer dude. He's actually a little bit more of a bro. And if you listen to him talk on the mic, it comes through right away. Sting is good at taking things that already exist (laughs) and just doing more of them. His woo thing is like 5% different than Ric Flair's woo. Have you ever noticed that? And, And who does Sting fucking credit all of his wrestling knowledge? Ric Flair's the man. Ric Flair brought me in. Ric Flair taught me what I know. And... And then the story about Scott Hall and and the Sting gimmick. Scott Hall says, hey, Sting, did you ever see the movie The Crow? You should just be The Crow. And Sting's like, well, I'm kind of trying to be the ultimate warrior right now. And I do do Ric Flair's woo while I'm the ultimate warrior. And Scott Hall's like, nah, scratch all that. Be, Be The Crow. So he's The Crow. And then people are a few years later like, you know, The Crow sort of looks like The Joker. You should be the Joker. Sting's like, okay, I'll be weird and be the Joker. Like, there's no, there's nothing here. (laughs) Sting is a fucking, I want to sound hateful, man. This is an aging wrestler who we've marked out for our whole careers because he was reasonably well packaged and he was reasonably well positioned. And he had some decent matches, sure. But like, what, what is this conversation really about? What was Sting brought in to do? He's just brought in to be Sting. Just like everyone in AEW is just brought in to be yourself. And what you got was a 60-year-old man who had limitations, the same limitations he's always had, just exacerbated, just made bigger by, by the reality of his age. 
and then did nothing with the aura, did nothing with the 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 gravitas. There's a fucking gnat buzzard around my face. <laughs> you didn't do anything with him. He doesn't actually have to be a wrestling genius. He's already seen as a wrestling genius. The fact that I think he's an unimpressive oaf is actually irrelevant. People think he's a genius. So bring him in to be the genius. He's Obi-Wan Kenobi to Luke Skywalker at that point. But you couldn't tell that story either. That story was too complicated for Tony to tell. The story where Sting overcomes a bad guy, too complicated to tell. The story where Darby Allen uses Sting's help to overcome a bad guy is too complicated to tell. But you know what? The Young Bucks are looking to do something, and uh, they, they can kind of... Uh, uh, snicker and giggle because oh uh, we just want this to be pro wrestling gorilla and all we ever wanted was this to be an extension of pro wrestling gorilla and so now we'll make fun of anyone who was in WWE and that'll be how we're heels because everyone knows everyone can kind of tell we actually want this to be pro wrestling gorilla the young bucks fucking promo this will be my last point on the sting run and the fucking creative side of all of this was so bad. Tony, how much would it cost to hire an acting coach and have him at the show on set just just on the days when you're filming to spend 15-20 minutes with these guys before they're fucking giving these promos? How much would that could you get that done? I bet you could get that done for not a lot of money. This shit, the Young Bucks promo was so fucking cringy bad. Not like, oh, I don't like um uh, no, this was just fuck. They look like little kids. They looked like little kids. Like you could like, it was almost like they thought, oh, this will be good. Cause it kind of is real to us in a certain way. We are the OGs and we are the executive vice presidents. And then it was almost like through all the non, I, they wouldn't look at anybody. They were just, just constantly like disgusted by something. But it was never about anything in particular. They never knew what they were upset about. They were just upset that Renee Paquette was there. <laughs> like, and they were just upset that, like, it, it was so vague. It, okay, what you're upset, like, get angry about the thing, Young Bucks. So bad. I know I'm going down a rabbit hole here. I thought their promo was so fucking bad. They look like sniveling little shits. And so, yeah, okay, mission accomplished. I'm excited to see Darby and Sting beat the shit out of the sniveling little shits. Um, but, like, this is all they're capable of. Just, like, the Bucks don't need to be doing anything but being sniveling little shits. Like, if they are, e like, if they are ever a baby face on your wrestling program, or if they're ever a more complicated heel, like, it just does, this is the only context I will ever, uh, uh, process the young bucks <laughs> is a sniveling little shits and, and I just don't know that sniveling little shits make an interesting final opponent for the fucking icon now you may be able to tell what I think of Sting a little bit during this rant okay that's fine I was 10 years old once I wasn't always this fucking jaded and cynical I was 10 years old once in 1998 the peak of WCW the peak of Sting okay Sting was a thing in my life like 
Sting was a fucking thing in my life. And now I can see behind the veil a little bit. Okay, I'm a smart mark. I can see the things that contributed to making Sting sting. Okay, that's all fine. And now I can tear him apart a little and make fun of him a little. Okay, that's all fine. He was still Sting. He was still Sting. He had the aura, man. Like, this was the fucking guy. I have his picture up on my computer right now so I could see all of his match history talking about 24-0 in tag team wrestling in AEW. Like, this was fucking Sting. And all we could do is say, is, is giggle when he could do the Scorpion Deathlock and people would punch him and it didn't hurt because he's Sting. That's the last story he told. That's his last story. That punches don't hurt him. He couldn't, they couldn't come up with anything bigger. They got one final opportunity to give some sort of impactful rub to the guy who just happened to wear face paint, who's way more emo than he ever was, who's way more alternative, than, way more edgy than Sting ever was. Sting's like Ric Flair. Sting wants the money. Sting wants to bang the broads. I don't actually know that. I think he actually has a reputation as like a more of a family guy, more of a homebody. But regardless, Sting's not Darby. This this thing has never been more than skin deep. It's been so fucking superficial. And it didn't have to be. It just didn't have to be. There, there's no thought put into these things. It, it's not a the problem isn't the wrestlers the problem isn't the way you're structuring the show the problem isn't that we can't do this because we like to have Kenny Omega Will Ospreay style matches in our company Th- that's irrelevant and if you think that is relevant you're the one who knows nothing about pro wrestling we're telling a story to capture attention And once we have the attention, we make business out of it. That's where it becomes money. We can sell tickets. We can sell advertising. Okay. Step one is tell an interesting story that gets the attention. The story hasn't already been told. And this is my final point. Tony Khan thinks the story's already been told and the story is pro wrestling. And all he has to do is throw sort of attention and money at that thing. I got to buy wrestlers. I got to buy a wrestling ring. I got to get a TV deal and I got to put the show on and, and I just throw money at it. And then I've created wrestling. And look at all these incredible moves. Look at all these incredible moves that these guys can do. I signed this one guy, and he can do so many flips off the top turnbuckle. It's just fucking crazy. It's like so many flips. And I signed them, and I provided them. Wrestling is storytelling. Wrestling is storytelling. We want the story. How are you going to get our attention? What's the story? There is not a huge audience for gymnastics anywhere in the world. If you can make a gymnast more relatable, like they will every four years at the Olympics, tell us the backstory. Tell us about the boyfriends and the girlfriends and the husbands and the wives and the children and the parents and the network of people around them and that time when they were eight years old that they broke their leg and thought they would never run again and never do a backflip again. Make the fucking story. They're going to do it in real sports. 
Why do you think that your fucking predetermined theater play doesn't need that? (laughs) When things far more legitimate from that angle desperately rely on story. But you're going to lean away from story? They're not. They're bringing back the rankings. They're trying to find it. They're trying to find it. But it's why I say this is a Tony Khan problem. Because he doesn't have a story in his soul that he's trying to tell. Well, he does, but he hasn't found it yet. I I, I don't see the story that matters to him. The story that's going to get it. I saw the story that mattered to Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. That's why it was so good. That's That's why they can do mediocre work for a year or two after that. And I'm still huge fans of theirs. I haven't seen a single fucking Tony Khan story. It's the story of the promotion. A promotion with no identity, no direction, changing gears left and right, changing the announcers, changing the ranking system, adding in more competitive wins and losses. Oh, wait, no, we got to make this actually more story-based and personality. Oh, wait, we got to... Good luck, motherfuckers. I'm going to be back in a week with episode 18 of Rope Break. I had a good time breaking all this down with you. I love getting way too passionate, way too involved in anything. That's the fun in life. Look under the rock. Get your fingernails dirty. Dig in to the things you love in life. And uh, pro wrestling, I continue to just fucking mark out on. This shit's great. I love caring way too much about it. It's it's a beautiful fucking thing. It's a beautiful fucking thing. Hey, wrestling fans, this has been Rope Break. I'll see you in a week, boys. Bye! I ain't never missed my cue. Miss my